your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Xavier bats in motion. He gets the flip on the jet motion. There he goes. 40, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Xavier Betts finds the end zone, and the Huskers now lead it 16-3. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are back for another week of Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you had a good weekend. A weekend minus a lot of Husker sports because of the volleyball cancellation at the 11th hour before their match against Northwestern. Uh, Husker men obviously still on pause. They are back to practicing. In fact, we're going to have the head coach with us in hour number two tonight. Our men's show will return after a hiatus of about a month since the last time we've done a full men's show. We'll have a women's show tonight as well. That will be in hour number three. Matt Cotney, Amy Williams, the Husker women have not played since Thursday. That's That was the way the schedule was. It wasn't because of a COVID issue or anything. They're scheduled to be um, doing a little East Coast swing as Amy Williams' squad. They'll play at Penn State on Thursday and then at Rutgers on Sunday. They will not come back to Lincoln between games. Makes sense. Go back there, knock out two games in three days, and then get on back to Lincoln on Sunday night. So Fred Hoiberg in hour number two, Amy Williams in hour number three. You know, Ben, let's. I, I, this is just kind of me maybe uh, blowing off some steam here, but back to the volleyball cancellation for the weekend. Apparently Northwestern had one girl test positive. And... and we, we really have not gotten many answers from the Big Ten or even, even Nebraska officials, really, about is there a threshold? Did the league put into play, and I think I know the answer to this, did the league put into play parameters about, okay, if you're minus so many players, you need to, you need to pause, you need to stop, you don't need to play, we don't want to take that risk, or is it just totally up to these institutions? Because you look around the country and teams, Boston College men's basketball team is playing tonight. They have available to them four scholarship athletes to play, and they're playing. That seems wrong to me. I think you need to have a little bit of a bench. But it also seems wrong to me, too, that if you have one athlete test positive, why are you able to pull the plug on a weekend of games. That doesn't make much sense to me either. Yeah, and I, I know since then that Northwestern women's volleyball has paused team activities. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it, this goes back to even football, right? I mean, the Wisconsin thing, um, you know, kind of kind of started the whole, I guess, questioning of where the Big Ten was at on – handing handing these decisions down because as you remember there wasn't a lot of information they were we were still sorting through things as Wisconsin was you know up in the air whether they were going to play or not we were still trying to figure out uh, the only thing that we had was before the season okay these were the thresholds uh, and as long as you meet these thresholds then it's up to the individual institution and at that point the the red red threshold wasn't even close to being touched by Wisconsin. And so we were all trying to figure out, okay, well, is it up to Wisconsin then? I mean, who who is inevitably making this call? Well, we found out then that it was the Badgers that, that were pulling the plug. Meanwhile, you had um, 
Virginia Tech one week, I, I think, was without 15 or 16 players and three or four coaches. And they went out there and played. So th- there was obvious disconnect from the Big Ten to the rest of the country on what was deemed, uh, you know, worthy of competition and what wasn't. And it's clear that that has, hasn't been cleared up. It's still quite muddy on that. And I guess the conclusion that we can draw from this is that the Big Ten as a conference wants nothing to do with blanket rules on, on who, who's allowed to play, who isn't, what, what the numbers are, what, what they aren't, what's safe, what isn't. Um, they're just rinsing their hands from it and say, well, as long as you're not in that red, red threshold, which obviously one positive test wouldn't be, then we're going to leave it to the individual school on what they want to do. So I guess the inconsistencies across college athletics, specifically the Big Ten and the rest of the leagues, it will continue. And, Greg, it will be this way with baseball, what starts here in a few weeks. It will be that way with, you know, whatever spring sport is is happening. They're going to leave it up to the school so they don't have to sit there and you know, take the blame or the, or the criticism for, you know, what's safe and what isn't. They've already washed their hands of it by placing the rules down that they did back in the fall with football. Yeah. I, you know, I think we were all under the understanding initially red, red means you stop And Nebraska basketball is red. They, they are red, red. I mean, they fall into, they are the perfect case of that. And they had to shut down. They, they, I mean, they got decimated with the virus running through the team. Makes sense. Total sense. But you're right. You go back to the Wisconsin thing, and you're like, they're not even close to red, red, or even red, orange, or they they were like orange, orange. And so we the confusion still continues today. And, that, and this is all because of a lack of this is all because of a lack of transparency and the lack of offering up any concrete answers to questions. I mean, we just haven't gotten answers from the league really for the last six months of this whole deal. And you talked about Wisconsin football, and you brought up Virginia Tech's football. Well, how about Illinois football, Ben? I think it was also yeah. week two. They had like 12 players that couldn't play because of either they were positive or they were the contact tracing bled over. And they had to start a fourth-string quarterback. And they went ahead and played. I tipped my cap to them for putting the, a, a game together. They lost by a touchdown to Purdue that week with a fourth-string quarterback. And here it looked like Wisconsin didn't come to Lincoln to play that second week of the of the season because they had five guys that had it and you're going well you got a team of a hundred are you you can't go play with that that's why this whole thing is just mind-boggling and man thank goodness that thank goodness we're not letting crowds go because by the time they called that thing the other day there would have been people already in the parking lot at the Devaney center ready to go inside and watch the game as late as they pulled the plug on that deal on friday so i it's frustrating and I guess I'm frustrated just because we don't ever seem to get answers to a lot of these things. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like as long as the Big Ten sticks with their original kind of plan for this thing, which seems to have finished the year 2020 and is going to bleed well into 2021 with their handling of this thing, it's just the way it's going to be. I mean, they're not going to announce anything. They're not going to come out with any kind of statement. They're not going to have a press conference. They're, I mean, it's just – this is the way it's going to be. It's going to be, you know, when, you know, teams will announce. I mean, for example, you, I mean, Nebraska, let's just stick on Nebraska men's basketball for a second. Eduardo Andre had it. They continue to play. Yvonne Way Drago had it, continue to play. So 
I do think that there are going to be circumstances where teams have it, and that's just going to be the case. But, again, it's going to be up to them. And, and the problem with that, Greg, is you're going to run into situations like we had on Friday where if there is no governing body to tell you what you can and can't do, who's to say that you can't you can't wait two hours before first serve or – you know, when Nebraska's going through layup lines and, you know, another team in the league decides that, you know, they're not coming over from their hotel, uh, you know, that, that I mean, there was another, I think it might have been the Purdue game when Nebraska had a student athlete that had, they had issues getting the test result. And so he had to warm up mm-hmm. by himself on the field, you know, and, and yeah. yeah, so like it's obvious that they're, each team in the league, each each athletic department is operating under different rules, their own, which, you know, they, it, 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 just like my opinion may vary from yours to anybody listening, the opinions of each individual coach or athletic director is going to differ from one another. So, again, as long as there's nobody overseeing this and saying and mandating any kind of recommendation or offering any kind of statement this is just the way it's going to be and and, you know as long as we're in this league and there there is competition we have to prepare for something like this to happen because you know is is crazy i mean i thought you were i thought you were messing with me when you texted me on friday i was already heading out we had plans on friday i'm like oh you're you know this is this is kind of this is you know greg throwing a joke out on friday night no it was serious and so that sadly i don't think this is the last time this is going to happen i i and and the worst thing is, Greg, we, my first thought of this when we talked about this today after we hung up was, okay, what happens if they're not letting Nebraska base or they're making Nebraska baseball bust to these places? Okay, so say we're on the road to Bloomington, Indiana, and we find out, you know, we're eight hours into the bus ride, and then all of a sudden they go, oh, sorry, you know, Indiana decided to pull the plug and – so you got to whip that bus around and head right back down to Lincoln. So, I mean, there, you you could just foresee so many problems with this with this the way things are right now. I suppose that this isn't the last time something like this is going to happen. Seems like a role for a commissioner, but that's another topic. Delighted to be joined by twenty four sevens Brian Christofferson. Good evening, Brian. How how are you doing today? I'm uh, I'm doing swell. How are you? Better than last Monday when I was constantly shoveling my driveway with 14 and a half inches of snow. So uh, this has been a much better Monday and start to the week than last week. Let's let's start with the news of the day. Matt Lubick staying put. Good news, you think, for the Huskers? Yeah, I think that's a pretty big deal uh, because. Largely what he's doing with the wide receivers. You know, you've got a very young group, and I think it would have been sort of a difficult circumstance if you disrupt that where you have a month or two where the guy they've been learning from is suddenly gone and you got to start fresh with a new voice, and, and that takes a little time in of itself. So obviously Matt Lubick is important because of that offensive coordinator role and he was sharing play-calling play duties with Scott Frost. It's a big deal. But I think specifically about his position room and guys like Xavier Betts and Alante Brown and Will Nixon, and they were, they're kind of growing with this coach and figuring him out, and he's figuring them out. And so that would have been a you know, tough deal if for those guys, you know, suddenly 
the guy you had learned for the first six, nine months or whatever it is, is, is gone, you know? So uh, that that's the part I really like about him returning. And uh, I'm sure if, if it was his decision to make, it was a tough one, you know, because it's always an exciting idea. If you can sit in the captain's chair and be a head coach somewhere, it doesn't matter what level or what the salary is. Uh, but I, I think he's got some unfinished, unfinished business with Scott Frost. And if, if this offense does take off, there will be more opportunities for him. Coach Frost mentioned to some media folks a few weeks ago that over the last four games of this 2020 season, he was he was handing off some play-calling duties to Matt Lubick. What do you make of that? Yeah, um, well, I think it shows you there's a real trust factor there. I don't think Scott Frost would, would do that with just anybody. It's a guy who he has a, a deep background with. You know that, and they've done this before, and and been in a lot of meeting rooms, and spent a lot of hours over the years game planning at different places, and so I, I think that contributes to the idea. Like, I can focus on some other head coaching duties during the game, and trust that this guy has a similar mindset to me, and is is going to you know do the stuff we want to get done, or I want to get done. So. Um, I, I think that that shows again the value of, of Matt Lubick coming back is that it, it's there's a severe trust there, a serious trust that's very good uh, that the head coach has with him, and that's that's hard to replace. And um, right now, I mean, it's it's an incomplete grade with what he's done so far at Nebraska. I mean, they obviously the offense kind of sputtered uh, throughout 2020 at times, so there's going to be a lot of skeptics, and that's very fair. And there should be, uh, but I think you also got to give um, you know Matt Lubick another year here and another ch- chance to show what they can get done uh, with hopefully a full off season benefiting them too. It was very difficult circumstances uh, for a first year coach in a program last year with the COVID, you know, all the restrictions and everything. Visiting again with Brian Christofferson of Huskers twenty four seven National Signing Day Part Two. Brian is Wednesday. What uh, and you? What are you and your network of, of folks in twenty four seven expecting for Nebraska on Wednesday? Well, a lot of quiet. Um, it's I, I heard you in the last segment at the end. It, it's just so changed. You know, this February used to be like a holiday to some people, and that's that's moved up to December now. It feels like ninety to ninety five percent of the action happens then. Obviously, they're going to add a very good linebacker out of Hawaii who already committed in Nebraska and who only, um, that's a big commit. Um, it deserves uh, attention and excitement when he actually signs, you know, that, I mean, that's, that's a guy who's a four-star player. Uh, so that's exciting. I think everybody's attention, of course, is on Avante Dickerson at Omaha West side and what he does. One thing I appreciate about Avante is that uh, he does not make a big spectacle about his recruitment and, it's okay to have indecision on something that's this big in your life and that's going to affect the next four to five years. And so I think he's taken all the time that's necessary. It appears to be between Nebraska and Oregon. I know there's some in our network who think he might be a lead for the Ducks um, and, and that he does have a connection with a coach that's been hired recently by Oregon, so maybe that wins the day. Uh, but he hasn't given a lot of clues himself about what he's doing, and he hasn't made a big production about it. So I think I have a lot of respect for how he's handled the process. Um, you know, just because a guy takes longer doesn't mean it, there's uh, it's, it's a drama queen situation or anything like that. Sometimes guys just need a 
little extra time with it, and I think it's been it's been a good thing for him. Last week, not only did we have the big snowstorm, but we also learned about three Huskers entering the transfer portal, one being a captain, one being a, a backup quarterback. Do you expect Nebraska at some point in time in this offseason to, to kick some tires on another quarterback, or do you think that they stay put with what they have on the roster? I got the impression, and, and you interviewed Coach Frost last week, that he wants to – look at the spring and see what he's got in the room. You know, maybe maybe look at Logan Smothers, look at Harvard who just came in. How do you feel about it after hopefully 15 practices in a more normal situation? Uh, and if, if you can make do with what you got, um, I, I, I think they will. But if it's a deal where you just don't feel like you're quite ready at the backup spot behind Adrian Martinez, um, I do think then you maybe kick the tires, but it might be hard getting someone to come in. They're going to look at the situation and say, well, Adrian Martinez has been the starter for a few years. Why is that going to change? So it could be hard to go out and find some veteran quarterback um, who's willing to, you know, go to a place where it feels like they've already got an established guy at that, that position. I don't think you add – just to add somebody, just to appease the masses and say, look, here we got a body, here he is. Um, he's got to be somebody you really feel can compete or he's maybe a younger player that over the next year or two he can definitely uh, be in the equation to be a starter. So I don't think you just force the issue just to say, okay, we did that. Again, visiting Brian Christofferson of Huskers 24-7 here on Sports Nightly on the Huskers Sports Network. Signing day part two is Wednesday. Uh, I, I would I would expect we hear from the head coach at some point in time this week with some kind of press gathering. Usually they do that around these signing days. Do you think he'll have uh, – where do you think he's going with a special team thing? It certainly sounds like it's going to be another analyst going into 2021. Yeah, uh, very well could be. I, I think that's okay as long as you have an understanding of how the game day communication works and who is doing what roles. And obviously uh, – uh, They've, they've got to they've, they've got to lock that up a little bit better. I mean, there was just a few instances where, you know, Scott Frost said after games like they didn't necessarily want to kick it deep, but they did kick it deep, and there was a mistake, you know, with that. And then you have two cases where you just let a punter kind of meander uh, for about 15 or 20 yards on a fourth down, and, and both were really tough plays. One was against Illinois where. The defense had just got to stop, and maybe you got a little momentum going, and it completely squashed it. So this is a team that does not have, we know this, a lot of margin for error right now. There really isn't margin for error for most teams in college football these days. There's a lot of parity, and this cannot be a phase of the game for Nebraska that is a losing uh, card anymore. It has been that way. Uh, there's been glimpses of improvement here and there, but overall you'd have to say it's been a C or D grade um, for most of what we've seen there, and often Nebraska's been on the wrong end of things. So uh, there are a few things that are going to help. You know, I think Daniel Cerny maybe being back, hopefully healthy at punter, maybe he's got a big leg, and that helps the cause. I think they got to find a kicker who can put it out of the end zone, too. I mean, Nebraska's touchback percentage last year, I think, was like 29%. 
there are programs in the Midwest that had kickers where it was 50 or 60%. And so you limit the number of times you got to go down and cover a guy, and uh, that limits the chances for a catastrophe to happen, too. So it would be nice if they could find that leg uh, who can – lets it rest easy a little bit 55% of the time or something where he puts it into the seat. So that would be a nice addition, too. I know they got to walk on from Ward with a big leg. Maybe he can help there. But um, sounds like it's going to be an analyst for the coach's spot, and uh, it, you just got to choose wisely here. It's got to be a guy who can communicate well with the other coaches so that there's nothing lost in translation. Yep, very good. Brian, great stuff as always. We appreciate it. Enjoy the week. And, and you know, like you said, a little quieter than most Februarys. But, uh, hey, this has been quite an off season, hasn't it? There's almost been something almost every day with Husker football because of the transfer portal and keeps keeps all of us on our toes. Yeah, I mean, it's a new free agency period in college football. It's just going to be around. I don't know if it will always be like this year because of with the COVID thing. I think that maybe added some numbers to them number of guys going in the portal but i think last time i was on the show i said people have to get used to this more and more that yep. you're going to win some you're going to lose some there are just, there are going to be guys like mccaffrey uh who say oh, i think i can do a little bit better somewhere else with my playing time and it's going to happen and, and you're seeing it across the country um so it's not just a nebraska thing but it is it is something that the coaches are going to have to work around from here on forward i think Yep. Good stuff, Brian. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, thanks a lot. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Basketball Radio Show right here on the Husker Sports Network. Now 17 on the shot clock remaining. They're running some stuff. The kick out and the jump shot. Lakes got it. Holy cow. Trevor Lakes with four threes on four attempts. An inside look at what's going on around Nebraska basketball. 13 to 7, Nebraska up by a half dozen. Seven minutes left in the half. Here's Allen, another three ball. Got it! Dagger up top left side, Kelly Allen. Allen with two threes in this game, and that was huge. It gives Nebraska the nine-point lead, Jake. With the head coach, Fred Hoiberg. With the balls, Teddy Allen shoots an NBA three. Got it! Bang! A ring! Teddy Allen with a trio. And with 2.35 to go in the first half, Nebraska's up 32-29. to Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Basketball Radio Show, Greg Sharp. Thank you and welcome to our first Husker basketball show in some time. And it's great to have the head coach with us tonight. If you want to be a part of the show, here are the numbers, 531-500-4686. You can either call us or fire off a text using our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Cellular Connecting Husker Nation. Coach, how you doing? How are you? <laughs> Greg, good to, good to be back on with you here. Uh, it's great to be back in the office uh, had had our first practice yesterday after about a 20-day layoff so everybody was excited to be back uh i'm feeling much better I, you know it hit me pretty hard early and you know obviously I, it's it was concerning i was doing everything i could to try to keep this thing away just based on my pre-existing condition with my with my heart condition and uh you know unfortunately it, it just spread like wildfire through our team these last couple weeks and it started out with one player uh, then his roommate got it, and then uh, a couple days later, the next apartment got it, and 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 those two roommates, and 
then it hit the next guy and then about a week later it hit the last uh hit the last apartment where both guys got it uh, and then three coaches uh got it as well through throughout that time and, and a ga and a manager so i think 15 guys ended up getting it uh in our tier one which which consists of 30 people that do the daily testing and you know again early on it was pretty much every symptom you can have i i had and you know i i gradually got better uh and then it kind of became a roller coaster for anybody that's had it you know probably can understand uh you know kind of what i'm talking about where you know you wake up i actually felt pretty good in the mornings and then all of a sudden midday it just felt like a truck uh hit me and you know then you just battle the fatigue and i'm still battling the fatigue that's really the one symptom that I have left. I got my smell back yesterday, thankfully. Nice. That, that was one I was hoping to avoid was was the smell and the taste. But I, I, I did lose uh, my smell, but thankfully got it back yesterday. I talked to a couple people. Actually, kid, we're recruiting. Uh, he said he got COVID seven months ago, and he still can't smell. So, mm. you know, it's just it's just crazy, Greg, how this thing hits people in different ways. You know, one thing I'm really thankful uh is most of our players were asymptomatic we did have a couple guys that had symptoms uh you know most of those being minor uh, but overall it didn't hit our players uh very hard so that that's that's certainly a positive uh you know as we get back on the court you know as i said you know we basically had four guys uh that were able to kind of work out throughout this time you know we we And I think we maybe lost connection with Coach. Um, is he coming back to us here? And we'll see. We'll see if Coach comes back. He was discussing about COVID uh, hitting the team, and that a lot of the players were asymptomatic. That's good news to hear that. That uh, that has not been an issue. So hopefully, get Coach reestablished here and can get back to him talking about the Huskers who did get back practicing yesterday. The facility back opened up again. Slated to play Saturday in East Lansing against a program in Michigan State that's had issues as well. They shut down for about a week, not as long as Nebraska has shut down. They have since now played a couple of games playing Rutgers uh, and also them. But got got you now. So you were talking about a lot of the players were asymptomatic. That that's a yeah. positive, right? Yeah, that 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 was you know certainly the thing <clears throat> that you know you're most worried about when it's going through your team is how it affects your players. And <clears throat> excuse me, for the most part. Our guys, uh, you know, had minor symptoms and a couple of them had no symptoms at all. Uh, so that that's a positive. And as, as we got back on the floor, I think we had about four guys, uh, three actually, that were able to work out after we shut down. We were required by rule once we went into the red, red, um, you know, stage. We had to completely shut down for seven days. And then we had a couple guys that were able to work out. Uh, the rest of them are basically going through <clears throat> the return to play protocol right now. And basically what that consists of is a full heart scan, uh, MRI, echocardiogram, uh, EKG, uh, con- consultation with a, with a cardiologist and, and with our team doctor, Dr. Albers, who's phenomenal. And once they get once they pass that, which happened yesterday for most of our guys, we still have two uh, that are out. Uh, we're able to get back on the floor. And then, of course, this morning we get in there and we had two guys uh, that weren't feeling well overnight, not COVID-related, uh, you know, completely different. So those guys weren't available. And then Delano Banton sprained his ankle in his first practice oh. back. So we had seven players available today. Uh, so we were only able to do individual skill work. So it's going to be a process here, Greg. It, you know, it's going to take us an, <clears throat> a while. We were throwing the thing all over the place uh, yesterday in our first practice back. 
you know, the timing is going to take a while to get back. Uh, but, you know, as I said, our guys were really excited to be back in the gym and, and uh, you know, we're excited to get back on the floor and compete again this Saturday at Michigan State. It's all disappointing, but even maybe more so is I thought you maybe played some of your best basketball of the year in your last game at Indiana where you wiped out a sizable deficit, even took the lead in that game. That had to be kind of encouraging, and then you get the shutdown that hits you. Yeah, it, it was very encouraging, and really the last two games, Michigan State, I'd, I'd put that up there as well, it was a two-possession game under a minute to go, and you know, unfortunately we missed a block out where we could have come down and cut it to either one or two. Uh, with about 40, uh, 45 seconds left, uh, you know, but we gave up the offensive rebound, which pushed it up to six, and we just could never recover from it. Uh, and then we get Derek Walker back, and I think you saw how big of a difference uh, a guy like Derek can make because of his ability to finish around the rim. And, you know, he goes five for seven in that first game back. Uh, one of the shots he missed, he was right at the rim, just didn't know if he was going to dunk it or lay it in, and, and unfortunately missed it. But uh, you know, what he did to finish at the rim is so important to open up everything, uh, you know, for, for a guy that can do that. It opens up three-point shots. And you saw Lat really benefit from that, hitting five threes uh, in that game against Indiana as well. And then we're right there, Greg. And, you know, now we got to find a way to finish one off. We actually had good possessions, uh, got fouled twice, uh, and unfortunately missed all four free throws. Uh, we got ladder a really good look, which, you know, we'll take that shot every every day. Uh, you know, unfortunately didn't go in, and then we missed a layup down the stretch. If we convert a couple of those plays that may have gotten over the hump to get that first win. Uh, so there, there certainly were some things to build on, and I agree with you. It's a tough time to have to shut down now because we were playing some of our better basketball. We had two of our better offensive games shooting almost 50% from the field after really struggling on that end, uh, you know, the first three games in, in league play. So, you know, hopefully we can get it back here. And, and again, I understand it's going to take some time. Even going back my time as a player, Greg, th those first couple practices back after All-Star break uh, are not real pretty. And that's how it was for us yesterday. Was hoping to take another step today. But again, we unfortunately didn't have the bodies. Uh, and now we have to get ready with basically uh, three or four practices heading into a very difficult stretch where we'll play 14 or 15 games in 32 days. Well, I know everybody's just glad to hear your voice and hear you're doing better. Did you did you just watch games while you were laid up? Did you even feel like doing that at all when you were battling your ailments? Early on, no. I, it, and I, yeah. I actually talked to Tom Izzo about this. It, it actually was uncomfortable even looking at the screen and or watching, um, you know, I, I watched some games on TV in the league, but, you know, just to sit there and, and put film on, <clears throat> it, was, uh, it was difficult to, to, to watch, you know, headaches and, you know, the body aches and all that stuff. And then about day three or four, uh, I really started diving into our film and watched every game uh, from the season, watched every offensive possession that we had, really looking for trends on, you know, when things are working, what actions are working, you know, as far as efficiency, we do chart that, but to go back and watch it uh, was beneficial. And there was one day, Greg, I actually had a really productive day and watched all three American Pie movies. <laughs> nice. That's good. Well, it's hard to do much of a, a self-evaluation when you're in the middle of a season. I mean, you just don't have time to breathe because you're getting ready for the next opponent. In some ways, this is like, like uh, breaking your year up into two parts. Yeah, it really is. It's just it's so bizarre. Again, I know I talk, talk about that a lot every time we're on this show or, or if we do the TV show, just how weird and strange of a year it is. And, you know, to have 20 days uh, between – 
uh, you know, really activities where we had the game against Indiana and 20 days since that game where we really had nothing going on. So I gave the assistant coaches some projects, some defensive projects to look at, uh, some things that we absolutely needed to address. And, and we got started on that uh, with our first day back of practice yesterday. So now it's about building on that and, you know, hopefully getting the right habits here in, in the stretch run. Uh, you know, the schedule, the way it looks, we, we had a conversation with the schedulers from the Big Ten. It looks like the next three are set with Michigan State uh, Saturday and then going to staying on the road, going to Minnesota on Monday, uh, which will be exciting. I saw it's going to be 19 below in Minneapolis on, on Sunday and then uh, coming back and playing Wisconsin on Thursday. And then we have, uh, you know, tentative from there, we're most likely we'll play a couple back-to-backs, which is very unusual in the middle of a year. Generally, you see that early in the multi-team events. And then uh, once the conference tournament begins, if, if you're lucky enough to advance. Uh, so, yeah, to have a couple back-to-backs in this is going to be very much like an NBA-type schedule. Huskers are back open for business practices yesterday and today. And you're going to open with Michigan State when you get back on the court on Saturday. That was your next to last game that you played back in January. And they've had issues too, but not nearly as long as what you've been dealing with. Have you been able to do a little scout on them in their last two games? Yeah, we, we uh, yeah, you know, that, that's one team. I, obviously, I follow very closely because my son <clears throat> is uh, is on that team. And yeah, they did. It's similar to, you know, what we went through. Uh, you know, I don't think they had as many uh, cases as we've had these last couple of weeks when, when we had to shut down. Uh, but it's it's scary when this thing hits your team, Greg, and, and it really is. And for us, I look back <clears throat> in the off season, and we just did not have very many cases. And, you know, for us, really, I don't, I think we had one or two cases going back in the, in the summer and in the fall. And, you know, once it hit, obviously it spread, you know, through the team, uh, you know, like wildfire. So it's, it's just, you know, one of those things where, you know, we had no built up immunity within our group and a lot of the teams, uh, had it, they, they, they had it go through their team, uh, in the off season. So, you know, again, for us, you know, I hate to say it, but probably was just a matter of time before it happened. And, you know, Michigan State <clears throat> had some of those same issues. And, you know, they've had a couple games back now, a uh, tough one at Rutgers. And, uh, you know, I, I thought played pretty well for a lot of stretches against the Ohio, against, in, in the Ohio State game. And they got another tough one on the road. Three, it'll be three in a row on the road for them at Iowa tomorrow, which is a makeup game for one that they lost uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, so, you know, they'll for us have I'm sure a day off after tomorrow's game and then a couple days to prepare uh for us on on Saturday but you know I could see they were much more comfortable in the last one they didn't shoot the ball uh great in the last one had they made some shots I thought they had some good looks uh they would have been right there uh at the end but you know that it's you know team that uh as you saw Aaron Henry had a huge game against us uh, in, in our, you know, second to last game where he had 27 points and really got it going. Uh, you know, uh, Josh Langford coming back after basically a two year, uh, sit out with his foot injury. Uh, you know, Rocket Watts certainly is a, is a guy that's, that's more than capable. Um, you know, their bigs, Joey Hauser is, is a guy that can really, uh, shoot the basketball very skilled. So, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a tough one. It'll be their first game back home after three road, uh, games. And, and I know they'll be hungry. You had a workout yesterday. You had a workout today, minus a couple of guys, as you documented in the opening segment. 
do you have a feel for what kind of shape your team is in right now? Well, we're we're not uh, certainly not in game shape, um, you know, and, and rightfully so with with having to sit out. And the, way, and the way the quarantine works, Greg, is is basically you get isolated for ten days and you can't do anything. You can't even leave your room. Uh, you drop off a box of food, and that's that's where you get your meals. Uh, you know, if they're up for it, they can do uh, a, a body weight workout that is sent from our strength coach. If they're feeling up to it. Um, you know, but that's about it. And, you know, after 10 days of doing absolutely nothing, it's going to take a while to get back into it. And then you have the return to play protocol where basically you ride a bike, you do some core exercises, then you're on the elliptical and then you can jog a little bit. And then once you're cleared, uh, you know, which finally happened the last couple days, that's when you can start getting back on the floor. So it's going to take us a long time to get back back into shape and we're really gonna have to monitor that uh we're gonna have to be careful we had you know concerned about you know injury risk uh concerned about uh you know what kind of uh impact an actual game which is impossible to simulate is going to have on your players so we're going to have to be ready to play a lot of guys and you're going to probably have to play a lot shorter stretches than what they're used to but you can't pace yourself you just can't do that in this league uh, and expect to be competitive. So go out there, blow it out, you know, come out and hopefully get a second win the next time you get in, uh, get in the game. Do you delegate who, who uh, watches playing time, rotation sets? Do you have a certain coach that kind of tracks that for you and goes, okay, it's time to get Teddy back in the game or wh- whatever the case may be? Yeah, I mean, we, we all kind of keep an eye out for uh for that but i i am in charge of the rotations i have a plan going into each game as far as what the rotations are going to look like but obviously you know that you deviate from that uh, based on foul trouble or uh, if a guy gets tired quickly or or if they're making mistakes so um yeah i have a plan but everybody uh you know has has an eye out for that we saw that in the Indiana game with Derek because that was his first game back, and you could tell he was he was gassed a couple of times in that game where you had to get him out. Yeah, we figured that would happen early. Uh, you know, he would get very tired, and he did, which you know you'd expect after basically having two years without playing a competitive game. And uh, you know, you could just see him continue to get more confident as that game went on. I thought Delano gave. Uh, got him a couple really nice passes for easy baskets. Trey, uh, you know, got him a couple as well. But, you know, the biggest thing, Greg, is when you have a guy that can finish in the paint like that, it's really going to help your overall offense because it's going to demand a lot of attention uh, on those rim rolls. He's a guy that we will be able to post up. We ran a couple plays for him uh, to get him on the block when he scored on uh, once the ball went right through his hands. Uh, which again is going to happen when when, you, when your timing is still coming back to you. But for Derek to have that type of performance uh, after basically two years off against arguably uh, you know the, one of the top bigs in the league and Trace Jackson Davis, uh, just to play as efficient as he did is very encouraging. Five for seven, uh, did a good job rebounding the ball, and I really thought he battled defensively. We did an excellent job for the most for most of the game on Jackson Davis and Derek was on him for a majority of that game because Ivan was out uh, that one because of the protocols. So, you know, it was good to, great to have Derek back out there. And again, I would certainly wish we could have kept going, uh, not had the shutdown, but again, it is what it is. And, and hopefully he can take off uh, where he left off. That was a really impressive debut by Derek. Uh, Trey McDowell, how has Trey been playing for you in the last couple of games? It seems like he's being a little bit more offensive conscious. 
Yeah, he's he's been uh, he's been so much better uh, as far as his attack and smart attack, when to attack, uh, coming down the floor. Uh, you know, early on, I really thought he was pressing and trying to really attack small gaps, and he was having some turnover issues early in the season. But he has really figured out. Uh, you know, when to come down and either, uh, you know, go to the basket or uh, when to get us into an action. And, you know, he's, I think, been a catalyst for us in a couple of the comebacks in the second halves that we had. He was phenomenal against Michigan State uh, that whole game. And then Indiana, his second half, he was unbelievable. Uh, You know, had a great uh, play where we cleared out a side for him. You know, one of the best plays of the year that we've had and had an and one dunk. Uh, that Michigan State game when we had action going on the weak side. And, you know, he just he's a kid that is so fast uh, and athletic. Uh, You know, at times he's just got to control it. And he's, again, figured that out much better, uh, you know, really since we started uh, Big Ten play. So I'm, I'm really happy with the way Trey's playing right now. You mentioned in the the opening segment that that the Indiana game was the game that we we finally saw the ball go through the basket for Lat. I mean, and that was so encouraging. He was making those shots that we saw him make in games one, two, and three back in in November. Uh, did something happen, or just did the, the confidence level go up? Was he shooting it in better rhythm? What'd you notice? Well, one thing he, he stayed out of foul trouble that game, and again, a, a big part of that I think is having Derek out there and with his forceful rim rolls and ability to finish that opened things up for Lat. Uh, you know, once he made his first couple, he hit hit, a, uh, hit one in transition. Uh, when you see that ball go through the hoop, you know this game is so much about confidence, Greg. And, and if you can knock your first couple down see that thing go through, especially when you've been having some struggles that, you know, that rim all of a sudden looks a lot bigger, Uh, you know, five for nine from three had really good looks, uh, did not hesitate at all. Even Michigan state, when I went back and looked at that game, uh, you know, lat took one where he kind of jabbed Hauser off of him on the right wing. And then we ran a play uh, on a baseline out of bounds to get him an open shot in the opposite corner where he rose up without any hesitation at all. And he had just missed one, on the previous possession. So, you know, he's, uh, again, you, you hope with that kind of rhythm uh, that he had in that game that you'd be able to carry it over. But again, it's going to take him some time uh, to get get that timing back. Um, but, you know, we feel really good about the way the lat can shoot the ball. And, you know, unfortunately with, uh, you know, some of the makeup of, of, of the roster, uh, you know, with getting some early fouls uh, that took him out of the uh, rhythm of the game early in the game. But, you know, if we can keep him on the floor, we're confident he'll knock down those open shots. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Women's Basketball Show right here on the Husker Sports Network. See him off the bounce, long jumper, good line drive with two seconds to go in the quarter. Sam Hybe gives Nebraska their biggest lead at nine as we go to quarter number two. Our weekly look inside Husker Women's Basketball. Delivers deep left side, Sam Hybe will tee up a three, you! Betcha, Sam Hybe with a big time triple. With the head coach, Amy Williams. Billiard foul line extended right side. Takes Ruby Porter off the bounce. Angles in. Blocked. KK blocked it. Into the hands of Hybe. Huskers running. Sam goes down the right lane line. Can't she finish? No, it was deflected. Cravens a rebound and puts it back. Bella Cravens has six. Big red blown out the Badgers by 20. Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now here's your host, Matt Coatney. 
Hey, welcome in, everybody. It's the Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Show as we get set to take you through another preview of uh, Husker Women's Basketball, the Big Red, with a win last Thursday night over Wisconsin, their largest margin of victory in Big Ten play. They're 9-5, and 7-4 and four in the Big Ten, and they are heading on a two-game East Coast road trip uh, to Penn State and to the Rutgers. Scarlet Knights, Amy, I'm a little worried about you making this trip without me, and I'll tell you why. Um, okay. When this pan- okay, when this pandemic is over, I'm afraid you're going to take me on every road trip next year except to these two places because you won't have to climb up a combined – I don't want to exaggerate here, 20,000 feet to come up and do the postgame show at my broadcast <laughs> locations at the Bryce Jordan Center in Happy Valley and at the Rack. So I'm a little concerned that I'm going to have to petition the Big Ten to find us a lower broadcast location or I'm going to get stuck here in Lincoln next year. I'm just letting you know I'm a little worried about you guys going on this. <laughs> Hey, Matt, I'll tell you this, is that if we could go back to doing those post-game interviews face-to-face and not um, through the telephone and whatever, then I'm all for walking the extra stairs. You're, you're, you just want a bottle of water because you know that I'm, I I have never not had a bottle of water for you when I've done your post-game I'm, show live, you know. Hey, I know. This is look, a... how, look, look how well you take care of me. <laughs> 531-500-4686 is the number if you'd like to visit with Coach Williams. She'll be with us for the full hour tonight. Uh, so the Huskers are in the middle of a week between games, having defeated Wisconsin 84-68 uh, last week. So what has the team been doing um, since you've got a full week between games? Obviously, there's a travel day in there, so it's not really a full seven days. But you, you, you didn't have a weekend game is, a, is the easiest way to say it. Yeah, uh, it's been just perfect timing for this. Just we've been working on just trying to, you know, get healthy, um, you know, just recover our bodies, pay really close attention to doing the things that we need to do to try to uh, stay fresh this time of year and and in a season like this. But um, so it's been very good, and and it's provided a couple days of practice where we could just really focus on us and some specific things that we want to get better at, rather than, you know, it's it gets to be such a grind where it feels like every practice is, you're, you know, you're prepping for the next opponent and really, you know, keying in on, you know, what you need to do to defend your next opponent, what you need to do to be successful, to attack um, your next opponent and their offense and are their defensive teams. And, and so it, um, uh, it's really kind of nice and nice to have a couple days of practice where we've just been able to key in on us and, uh, get competitive and practice with our scout team and, and um, you know, just kind of uh, get back to some basics and, and get some of our, you know, new players that are returning into the fold, um, you know, kind of up to speed with with what we are um, doing and, and giving them some reps. And so it's been it's just been really a welcomed uh, time for us. So you said you wanted to focus on your own team and, on what we want to get better at. What What's one or two things that you think your team uh, needs to get better at that maybe you've had time to focus on this week? Yeah, I mean, a couple of big things we've really been focusing on is just rebounding and, you know, continued uh, rebounding technique and, and effort and energy towards that. But then, um, and I would say uh, transition defense has been a key focus for us um, over the last couple of days. 
uh, in practice, and and then we've we've really offensively wanted to get better about just you know not wasting screens. Really, you know, our execution can continue to improve, and a big part of that uh, from what we saw was just you know taking the time to set and read uh, the screens within the flow of our offense. You know, um, Sam Hybe led your team. Actually, you had five players in double figures against Wisconsin. She had 24 points. Kate Kane and Bella Cravens each contributed double-doubles. You talked about rebounding as something, you know, that you always want to put a focus on. But that is awfully hard to have two bigs on the same team in the same game get double-doubles. Do you think you've ever had anything like that? Um, I can't remember the last time that that's happened. You know, so just special efforts. For, for both of those young ladies to come away with double-doubles. And just I'm really, really proud of that effort. And, um, you know, it's crazy is that even with that type of an effort, um, you know, we gave up at least six offensive rebounds to their bigs. And we, we gave up 17, I think, as a team. And so, um, you know, it's something where it's like, you know, even as, as, as good as those two players rebounded for us in that ball game, you know, we know we can still be better. Five three one five hundred forty six eighty six is the number if you'd like to talk to Amy Williams. That's also our U.S. Cellular text line. It's brought to you by U.S. Cellular. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers. U.S. Cellular, connecting Husker Nation. I know um, you had that big lead, and it's been a while since you've had a 26-point lead. And I know you didn't want to put Sam Hybe back in there late, but uh, it got down to 14. Now, that said... I think some of the reason that your um, your big lead got down to 14 was you had a chance to play some lineups that you haven't played this year. Kendall Coley got some time. Michael Caton got some extended minutes. Really, some some lineups you haven't had out there this year. But you would have preferred that you didn't have to put Sam Hybe back in that game, right? Uh, yeah, correct. You know, I think we had a little bit of um, a few sloppy turnovers there down the stretch and, and credit to Wisconsin. They just kept playing and, and um, you know, but I thought that, you know, our team obviously just seems a lot more comfortable and poised uh, when Sam's on the court. And, and, you know, so we kind of felt like the game warranted that. And, and that was, that was a little disappointing there at the end, but I'm really proud of all of the things that we did as a team to put ourselves in a position um, to, to have that type of a cushion um, uh, at that point. Sam had 18 in the first half, 24 for the game. But what I want to talk about five assists, zero turnovers. I thought she made some pretty good decisions with the ball the other night. I, I did too. Yeah, I thought she she really um, played just with a lot of poise and and just uh, you know kind of under control and just made good decisions all night. You know, controlled tempo, did a lot of really good things. So um, just really really proud of the overall effort. I think that's been the thing we've been um, really harping with Sam and, and we've seen, you know, when she's having her best games, it's, it's not just the 22 points and obviously we need those and she sparks us and gives confidence there. Uh, she had a couple big threes in that first half when we, when we were not really shooting well from behind the arc and we, we needed that. So um, that was, um, you know, really positive, but it's just a well-rounded approach that, you know, to the game, c- controlling tempo, controlling pace, making good decisions, um, all the stuff that's kind of over on the right side of the, the stat sheet, um, as, as you always say, Matt, that, um, that's, that's special about her. 
Now, I'm not sure if this is Sam's dad on our U.S. cellular text line at 531-500-4686. This is Jay in Minnesota who asked this question. And, of course, you're not playing Penn, you're playing Penn State next. And then you get Rutgers after that. He says, every Rutgers game, Matt tells Jeff Grish that C. Vivian Stringer is, you betcha for sure, on the Mount Rushmore of college women's basketball coaches. Okay, but then who are the other three? Now, I'm going to give you my other three. And we'll see if Amy disagrees with me. But I don't think there's any doubt that C. Vivian Stringer's career doesn't put her on that Mount Rushmore. The only uh, coach, men or women, to take three different teams to a Final Four. Uh, but I think the other three would be Pat Head Summit, uh, Tara Vanderveer, who passed Pat Summit this year, and then Gino Ariema. I think those are the four that I would put up there. Do you, do you have a different list, Amy? I do not. I do not uh, disagree with any of, of that list. And uh, to be honest with you, uh, Matt, when I uh, my first year at Nebraska, when I found myself on the opposite sideline from C. Viv Stringer, and I, I just very, very vividly remember um, in my first year as a head coach at Rogers State University, I uh, read a book um but I, I read one of Steve Vivian Stringer's books um, and, you know, just then to find myself in a situation where I was on the other sideline and the other, you know, the other bench, it was just kind of a very surreal moment for me. And, and um, you know, it's just crazy to think of. And I'm just, uh, you know, in awe of the things that she's accomplished over her career. It's pretty special. That was for our U.S. Cellular text line at 531-500-4686. That's also our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline sponsor and the Sports Nightly Hotline brought to you by Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. That's the number to call if you'd like to visit with Amy Williams tonight, 531-500-4686. Getting back to the win over Wisconsin last week, Amy, uh, we found out at least I did, right before tip-off, that Julie Poshpishilova wasn't going to go out injured. Um, she's their team leader in three-pointers. Um, you know, for me, I'm scrambling around on my scorecard trying to make sure that I know what I need to know about Hallie Douglas, who started for her. But from your standpoint, I'm sure you guys had scouted uh, a Wisconsin team that had Julie Poshpishilova. How much did that change your game plan once she found out she wasn't in there? How tough was it to adjust to that? Yeah, I mean, she's a special player that um, had really, I thought, you know, shown great, great growth from um, her freshman year to her sophomore year and um, and was just really playing well. Just such a dangerous uh, threat from behind the arc, but... Uh, the one thing I would say, Matt, is that, you know, and ha- Hallie Douglas-, Douglas is a player that, um, you know, I flew down to Illinois and watched her play a high school basketball game. So our staff is incredibly familiar with Hallie Douglas and what she brings to the table. And I thought really over the last few ball games before Wisconsin came in here to play us, that she had been playing with a lot of confidence. They had been giving her um, a few more reps as a freshman kind of coming in and, and she was gaining confidence just handling the ball and, um, and I think probably, you know, she played a lot of point guard in high school, Hallie did. So um, having her as another ball handling option 
um, in addition to Sid Hilliard was um, was probably a welcome thing. And also just, um, you know, another player who's just long and can really shoot the three. And, you know, so there's a lot of things that, um, you know, are similar characteristics. I think obviously Julie uh, being a sophomore and having kind of that year of experience um, under her belt, you know, that's tough to lose that and um, play without that. We we understood and experienced that um, playing our last two ball games without Izzy Bourne and, you um, you know, the comfort that you just have with a player that's got a little more experience. But um, but I think, you know, they certainly missed her just like, you know, we miss Izzy out there on the court and, and um, uh, you know, we all have to adjust. But I think, you know, it's kind of um, nice for them to have a player like Hallie Douglas to be able to bring into the fold, uh, you know, with Julia out. You, you talked about uh, Sid Hilliard. She had 16. Imani Lewis, who is a double-double machine, she led the Big Ten in double-doubles last year, went for 19.13 rebounds. But I'll tell you who I thought really kind of hurt you guys more than anybody was Sarah Stapleton, who had 12 points and six rebounds. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier the double-doubles for both Kate Keene and Bella Cravens, but Sarah Stapleton kind of impressed me the other night. I didn't really see her uh, doing that against your bigs. Did did you guys have problems with her, did you think? Yeah, we did. And she scored a couple of, you know, good baskets on baseline inbounds execution that they had kind of drawn up. And, and that's, you know, an, an additional thing that we're wanting to kind of address is just our awareness and alertness to the baseline inbounds defensively. But, uh, you know, I know she, she got four points just, you know, pretty easy off of the baseline inbounds execution that we need to uh, shore up and do a better job. But, you know, she's really uh, coming into her own in her sophomore season as well and, and just does a really good job of posting up deep and, and finding ways to get herself scoring opportunities. 